0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Bearded Bible Thinker podcast today. Uh, I have a, uh, a pretty good uh, article for us today to start things off. I have a couple actually for today, but uh, we're going to start with this one um, from Christianity Today. You, like any news source, no matter what, uh, you kind of have to look at everything from a biblical perspective, from a biblical point of view, but um, they uh, this one is is really just informative, and so it's pretty uh, eye-opening, pretty eye-opening article. Um, The headline goes like this, Russian evangelicals fined for missionary activity, quote, during pandemic. Um, And then kind of the subtitle says this, uh, offenses include passing out tracts and telling people to invite friends to hear the gospel. So that is something that apparently the Russian government does not want. So when I first uh, checked this out, um, I, I saw that, uh, I, well, I kind of I wanted to do my homework like any um, news story that I see uh, because this could be uh, the Russian government if, if we're just going to be objective and think about what it could be and what it probably is and all that stuff. This could have simply been the Russian government um, being concerned with the coronavirus, right? And maybe the these particular Christian folks were um, were doing some things that were spreading germs, and uh, they got in trouble. That could be the case. So I wanted to read it and just see what, what was going on. And, um, and the story goes like this. Following Russia's ban on Jehovah's Witnesses, evangelical Protestants have become the most punished group under the country's controversial anti-missionary laws. Um, So right away, you can see that this might just be more than a coronavirus thing. More than half of all cases of alleged violations last year uh, were against evangelicals. Of the 159 individuals and organizations prosecuted for demonstrating their faith in public, 50 were Pentecostals and 39 were Baptists. According to analysis by Forum 18, a news service covering religious freedom issues in Russia and surrounding countries. So far this year, Russian authorities have interrupted a Baptist worship service in April and changed its, or charged its 71-year-old pastor with illegal missionary activity. In January, two Baptists were punished for discussing their faith at a bus stop. For discussing their faith at a bus stop. Now, it doesn't give any um, particulars of that story uh, if they were standing on a big podium yelling at people or if they were simply two guys on a bench talking about what they believe with one another. Doesn't say. Uh, the, the 2016 says this the 2016 some Russian word laws uh, ban Russians from inviting outsiders to join their faith, even online or in their homes. Okay, so. Um, these, this particular set of laws ban Russians from inviting outsiders to join their faith, even online or in their homes, which means they can't say something on uh, Facebook, for instance, or write a blog or any of that stuff that we kind of take for granted and do, they can't do that. Um, and they, uh, so they can't do it online. And secondly, they uh, can't even be in their living rooms. Okay. They can't even be in their living rooms, uh, being hospitable, having people over for dinner, and preach the gospel. That is illegal. Um, so th- this is a little. This is beyond the coronavirus, and actually um, has very little to do with the pandemic. The pandemic is just a time frame, maybe that this is that this particular stuff uh, happened during the particular things this. Um, uh, article is going to talk about, but uh, it has actually very little to do with the pandemic. Uh, This is an issue that uh, goes beyond the boundaries of the pandemic time frame. So uh, really what popped into my head uh, that I wanted to just chat about real quick on here today is that, man, this is, um, no matter how bad we think we have it here, and I did this a while back with the um, Beirut uh, thing that happened, um, and uh, with that uh, large explosion. And so, uh, did this then. Uh, talked about it just briefly, but this is just another example of Christians in other places in this nation, and uh, or in this nation, in this world, uh, outside of our nation, that really, actually, have it rough, like persecution. Like they, these folks in Russia they're not allowed to tell people about Jesus. They could actually get fined and in trouble for for um, obeying the commands of the Son of the living God. So uh, that's a big deal. <laughs> I mean, we, we don't have this issue here. We just don't. We can get uh, ridiculed some. We can get... um. We get in a little bit of trouble from time to time. If we say something or if we call out certain sins or um, something that's not politically accepted or those types of things, we can, we can take um, shots in the back sort of uh, words that are um, detrimental, right? We can, we get marginalized and made fun of and things like that. But these folks are actually getting fined simply for saying, hey, Jesus loves you, uh, he died for you, you're a sinner, uh, just just for presenting the gospel and, and inviting someone to come to know Christ and to join the faith, they can get fined. This is a big deal. The article uh, goes on to say this, quote, Believers are afraid to carry the word of God to the masses because they fear fines. Pentecostal union lawyer Vladimir Ozolin told Forum 18, uh, as ever, law enforcement agencies assume that any church activity is missionary activity, which is certainly not true. Okay, end quote. Um, so they just assume that anything that the church does is missionary stuff, which is certainly not true. That's That's accurate. That's an accurate statement. It's not all necessarily mission work. Um, Sunday morning here when we gather together as the family of God. We primarily um, are not here to do mission work. We are primarily here to to simply be with other family members, um, members of the family of God, children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're simply here gathered together to love one another, to encourage one another with the gospel, to proclaim the word of God and to worship our God and raise his name up and make him famous among ourselves, right? Um, so there there are things that the church certainly does that aren't explicitly missionary um, activities. So they're not wrong here, but uh, this is uh, at, at a point, first of all, they're regulating and outlawing missionary activity. And secondly, now it looks like what they're doing is... Um, Simply uh, categorizing every little thing that the church does with missionary activity, so as to shut the church down, essentially. So this is a this is a big deal, and we should be praying for our brothers and sisters in Russia, um, and and even uh, we should be even praying for the leaders, um, Vladimir Putin, in. Uh, also for their salvation um, and for him to buy a shirt and stop riding horses along the beach shirtless because that's awkward. Um, but we we should be praying for them and we should, we should certainly be remembering. This should teach us a few things, right? One, we have brothers and sisters in other nations. Maybe at some point we'll get into a story um, from China with brothers and sisters. Uh, this isn't a uh, Trump speech about China. This is a God speech about China, right? That um, they're very, very against uh, Christianity and God and um, the God of Christianity, uh, Jesus, uh, everything that we stand for, they persecute. They um, put missionaries in uh, the slammer and interview them and try to i mean it's it's the very definition man it's the things it, the, the things that we think about all the time when we think about persecution that happens in China and apparently Russia and in many other places actually so we should really be in prayer for them and that there are brothers and sisters across the globe that are dealing with different sorts of persecution And I promise you, as tough as sometimes it seems like we have it in America, it is nothing compared to what other folks deal with in other nations at times. So, we should certainly be in prayer for our brothers and sisters. But another thing that this uh, tells us is just what I was alluding to a second ago, and that's we should be thankful to God. Thankful that we have it... um, Good enough here that we're allowed to do this kind of stuff, and yet convicted because even though, man, even though we're allowed to do this, even though like legally we can't uh, be stopped from uh, doing missionary stuff online. Which, first of all, is not the best place to do missionary stuff. Face to face, person to person, voice to voice—that's the best way to do discipleship, and it's the best way to do mission work. Um, but. Our government doesn't stop us from doing mission work here in America. In fact, that would probably cause quite the uproar. <laughs> um, but secondly, we uh, we don't do it. We don't do it. We we I, I, I growing up in the church world that I grew up in, I grew up in church, and growing up in church, you hear a lot of uh, worry. I don't, I don't know how to do it. What if I do it wrong? What if I talk about Jesus and it's, it's wrong, or I don't say something right, or, or I don't know. I have never been trained, which is kind of a blah, blah, blah thing, right? It's, uh, I've never been trained is not an excuse. It's not. The, uh, the right answer to that is, is quite honestly, are you a Christian? Well yes. Did did Jesus turn your life upside down? Does he help you on the regular now? Do you see God working in your life right now? Okay, well all you're doing is talking about that. That's it. You're just mentioning to somebody, "Man, God really blessed me yesterday by fill in the blank." You know? It it starts with things like that. It's not difficult, but we're scared to do it. We tend to be kind of chicken. We tend to be scared that people will look at us a certain way or that we'll be marginalized or that people will unfriend us on Facebook, right? Which is everyone's worst nightmare, right? So we tend to not even use, and this is the unfortunate thing, we tend, because it's so comfortable here, we tend to not utilize the freedom that we do have to preach the gospel. To to do what we're called to do. In Matthew 28, when Jesus, if you come to our church, you've heard me say this a billion times. This scripture is one of my favorite ones. It, It really is the driving force behind everything I believe about ministry. And that's when Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I've commanded you baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? Like, so go, make disciples, teach them what I've said to you, teach them my commands, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Like, this is the goal. This is what every Christian is called to do. Every Christian doesn't have the ease and gifting of evangelism, but every Christian is to be a missionary, a functioning missionary, You know, when we go uh, to other nations to do mission work, what you'll find out, if you've ever been on a short-term mission trip of any kind, and I actually just went on my first one, but what you'll find is every night, at least the one that I was a part of, every night we would sit down after all of the work that we had done, the physical labor, we would sit down together, we would eat together, we would uh, have devotion time prayer time. We would do all of these things together, and that was just a part of it. Um, yeah, that, that was just a part of the whole thing. It was an everyday living on purpose, living missionary lives. We thought about it all the way down to the tip that we were giving Alexander uh, when he would wait on us. In the hotel we were in, we, it was a whole missionary experience. It wasn't just go there and go to work and then come home. It was go there, go to work, pray together, live together, love together, do all of the things that we are supposed to be doing as Christians. And then a lot of times what happens is people will come home and they'll be kind of changed spiritually or they will have had some sort of awakening for a while, but it doesn't actually end up changing how they live on the, on the regular. In the everyday life that they live, when they go to work, when they do mother stuff, when they uh, raise children, when they disciple their children, like it doesn't actually change people, and that's a struggle for me, and it should be convicting for you, because God has you on purpose where you're at, and geographically, He has put you where you're at on purpose, and You are supposed to be, if you're a Christ follower, you are a missionary. That is your first job. So at work, you're a missionary, and even down to your work ethic and what you do and how hard you work and all of the things. This is all you being a Christian, you being a light in the darkness. That's what it is, every bit of it. And so we're all called to do this. We're all called to do this, and we're all called to live our lives out loud, right? Out loud and on purpose for the cause of Christ. Light in the darkness. What a concept. We are supposed to act like and live like Christians. Every day and at all times. And, and a lot of people will worry about, well, you know what? I mess up a lot. Right, I'm incapable of acting like a Christian all the time. Hey, newsflash. Everybody is like that. Everybody. Jesus Christ is the only human in the history of mankind that is without sin and perfect. He was the only one that pulled it off. Ever. Period. And scripture will back that up. However, Part of the greatest mark of a disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who, when they mess up, they repent of that. They're not afraid to say, man, I messed up. That was sin, and that wasn't an accurate representation of Jesus Christ and his love and his mercy and his grace. But you know what is a representation of his love and his mercy and his grace? The fact that I, I messed it up just now, and I can go to him and I can trust that I am uh, going to be forgiven when I ask. That That's what it means. You don't have to be a professional missionary. You don't have to be uh, someone who spent 40 hours in training one week to know how to witness to people. It's simply being obsessed with Jesus because of what he's done for you and talking about it. One of the preachers that I follow a lot, for ministry purposes and, and just my own kind of discipleship journey. Um, he says uh, that you talk about most what you love most. And that's very true. So, you know, is football what you talk about all the time? Is social justice what you talk about all the time? Is, uh, I, I mean, I don't know, pick, pick whatever you want. You probably already have in your head what, Um, I'm talking about for you Um, so these, these people in Russia are actively being persecuted actively being persecuted because they're doing what many of us are afraid to do and we have the freedom to do it without real persecution so just a news flash and maybe something hopefully you're a little convicted by that I know I am. There there are plenty of times that I don't do things that I know I should because I'm afraid or because it's an inconvenience because I'd have to stop what I'm doing and be interrupted. And that's not okay. Okay, second story, just real quick. Um, this is important because so some of the things I've been talking about lately when I pull, um, sec, excuse me, secular news stories up, uh, some of those things that I've been talking about are, uh, just how we really are in need of looking at things objectively, not just taking people's word for it. And I've also talked about how, much of a need it is for us to be a people, specifically Christians, because we're to be a light. We're to be a light in the darkness, an example, right? So we're to be a people who, are, who understand that we don't know everything, who understand. I did a, a podcast just yesterday that might trigger some people, right? But I'll admit right now, I don't know everything, The things that I talked about uh, yesterday in that podcast, um, admittedly, I don't have all the answers, right? And we're to be a people like that who understand and, and in our own humility that we don't know every answer to everything under the sun. And with that comes this need for us to listen to other people who differ from us if someone who if i uh, here's here's an example what you run into sometimes with uh, right wing uh stuff you run into folks who are um very you know american flag don't tread on me flag waving bumper sticker sticking people right and Um, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that in and of itself, but, but the attitude that a lot of them have is, um, they will, um, talk about social justice is stupid. Uh, there is no racial injustice. There's no racism problem. They'll talk about things like this, but now picture this, you're in uh, a community group from your church or a small group, or a Bible study, or a missional community, whatever you want to call a small sort of group, a family within the family, right? You're you're in that, in someone's living room. You're uh, talking about this kind of thing, and what you don't know is that there's someone of a different race than you sitting in the same living room, and it is someone who has actually been profiled, Someone who has a brother or a dad, maybe, who has been unjustly stopped. Um, Those are the kinds of things that we need to be aware of and that we need to think about. Like Think before you talk, right? So I read this article. It's actually from the Barna group. It's a blog post from Barna.com. Super good research um, group. And so, uh, check it out at some point, barna.com. Um, how research can help us to see someone else's point of view. That's the article title. And it says this, I actually haven't even read, uh, much of this, but it says this in the packs in the past two weeks cries for justice following the death of Amund Arbery and February. Okay. So this was written May 13th of This year and February 2020 have risen to the surface of the national media, reminding America that while the onset of covid-19 may be the first time many of us are facing daily worries uh, for our family's health and safety in this time of uncertainty for our black brothers and sisters living in the U.S. Fear is a well-known companion. So uh, this. Uh, OK, so the point of some of this is. That um, they're they're just trying to get us to understand and know that there are other points of view, and each of those other points of view um, are um, each of those other points of view are uh, from somewhere, right? So these these are folks. Um, in this example, these are folks who have maybe seen firsthand some things go on that. You and I haven't seen. I've talked about North Dakota uh, from the standpoint that, like, like honestly, w- we're in a bit of a bubble from a lot of this stuff. We don't have experience in a lot of this stuff. Um, I've never lived in inner city Chicago. So um, all the information I have to go on is are things that I see on TV, things that I allow to influence me, um, and that's it. So I have to assume, though, if if I'm going to ask the other side to be objective and to, to think, to, to look up statistics, to do all of these things, then I have to be willing to do that as well. Okay? You have to be willing to do that as well. You have to be willing to enter a conversation Understanding that there are legitimately two sides to that conversation, and and whoever it is on the other side, whether you're um, uh, left-leaning, talking to someone who's right-leaning, or vice versa, you have to understand that the people you're talking to have come to that conclusion for a reason. They've lived something in their life, or they've really been influenced by family members, or they've been influenced... By other means. It doesn't matter. The point being there are two sides to every story, and there are there are stories that create every side. So it, it's really important in issues like this, especially high tension issues like we're dealing with now, that we're willing to sit down and have conversations with one another and not one sided try to convince you debate conversations. Actual conversations that start with statements like, "Who who are you? How did you come to the conclusion you came to? You know what what have you seen in your life uh, that maybe maybe our conversations should start with, you know what I'm just coming into this and I want to admit that like I don't know everything that there are things that that other people have seen and heard and know that I haven't and so I just want to uh, hear. I want to sit here and listen to you. I want to hear your story. I want to know how you come to the conclusions that you come to so that we can maybe at some point have some sort of mutual uh, thing here that we can come to some sort of conclusion with. Um, I, I think we have to. We have to do that. We have to do that. We just have to. there's no. There's no way... That anything gets solved, and I'm talking about from a political standpoint and or from just you witnessing to people, you teaching people the gospel and proclaiming the gospel of Christ. If you don't know them at all, and you go into a conversation making lots of assumptions, and oh, because you listen to Tupac, you must be whatever, or because you listen to George Strait, you must be whatever. If we go into conversations like that, of course nothing's ever going to get solved. That doesn't even make sense that it would. Of course it's not. Because we go into it with these preconceived notions about who these people are, whoever we're talking to, who they are, what they believe. And we go into the, these conversations with preconceived notions that it's uh, they're either stupid or we already agree, so let's rant together. Um, and it, it doesn't help anything, doesn't help anything. Um, and so I, I think th- this someone else's point of view is important to get. It's important for us to understand that someone else's point of view is, um, is a, a good thing for us to, to hear, not just assume, but to hear. So I want you to hear someone else's opinion. Maybe maybe a good challenge for everybody this week, right? It's Thursday now. You don't have much of the week left. So um, I just do that. You know what? Find someone, if there's anyone in your life that you don't agree with politically, okay? Or if you simply are engaging with people online, which again, last resort, because that's stupid. I'll stand by that until I die someday. But uh, if you're reaching out to someone online, um, we have to know and start with hearing their point of view, how they came to the conclusions they came from, and actually listening to them. Because you can't have a conversation and get, any point across that you would like to make until that is done. Until you have listened to them. So, until next time, think about it.